You're listening to the Life in Christ Church Podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? Amen. Praise God. Like Pastor Joe said, this is, a, this is something that our goal in this is to spark a lifelong study, a lifelong study of identification with Christ. And, you know, so we started out, we started out on Easter Sunday. We talked about the importance of identity, how different people identify. You know, some, we have a lot of physical factors that we might identify with. But if we're not identifying primarily, number one, with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, and in who he is. The word identification, or it's identical to, or identity, to be made identical to. So that could be yourself, you know, obviously. Your your identification is identical, one and the same as you. Identification with Christ is waking up to the reality of your union. You have been made identical to him. And identifying with him more than you identify with any other factor in your life. It's greater than your gender. It's greater than your race. It's greater than your financial status. It's greater than your last name and the family that you came from. It's greater than your, your, your doctor's medical records on you. It's greater than what the bank account says. It's greater than every other factor in your life. But if you don't take time, in fact, it's not just, you know, the, the study of it, the revelation of it, it's, it, it, it goes deep. It goes deep. A lot of people have identity crises going on. And if you're identifying with a broken person, if you're identifying with the issues that you have, you're going to find that perpetrated in your life. There is one way to break out of the patterns and the struggles and the things that define you from your past, from your mistakes, and from your failures. And God has provided through this, through this in Christ identity that he has given to us. The foundation for change is identity. If you're just, I mean, you know, there's just a lot of people in the church that are trying and trying and trying. And, I, you know, you get tired sometimes of trying and trying. Well, I'm just going to try again. I'll try harder this time. You know, I'll, I'll try harder to develop this habit or to succeed in this area or to stop doing this. I've just got to try harder. And you can go a long time with trying and trying and trying and you just don't get anywhere, (laughs) the key to change is the identity, going to the identity. What are you identifying with? That's actually the problem we have with a lot of, uh, um, you know, substance abuse programs. Thank God for the help that they have been, but their ability to transform is very minimal if they still tie you to that old identity. You know, I heard somebody talk once about the difference in identity uh, in relating to a smoker, where you have one person, if they offer a cigarette and they say, no, thank you, I'm trying to quit. They're still identifying, I'm a smoker who's trying to quit. But somebody who says, no, thank you, I'm not a smoker anymore. They have taken on a new identity. I'm not a smoker trying to quit. I'm no longer a smoker, so I don't smoke. See the difference? One is more powerful than the other. And so you have a lot of people in the church, they still identify, I'm a sinner, I'm broken. And and of course, we all, that's step one. I mean, if if we don't recognize that we are in need of a savior, then (laughs) there's a problem. And so that's what sets us apart from, you know, this isn't a, a, a mental exercise either. 
I can do everything, you know, making a bunch of confessions uh, about all how powerful we are apart from Jesus. No, we are broke. We are in need of a Savior. And in and of ourselves, we are nothing. And we can't do it. We can't approach God. We cannot earn our way into heaven on our own, by our own efforts or our own good works. We can't speak enough positive affirmations to get ourselves there. The key is in Christ. He came and did what we could not do. He came and identified with us in our mess so that we could identify with him in his victory. He joined himself to our sin and defeated it from within so that the power of sin would be unable to any longer have dominion over us. And that includes everything that came with sin. With sin and the fall came the curse, came sickness and disease, came failure, came all brokenness in this world. God did not create humanity for brokenness. But when sin came, this world became a broken place. We needed a savior, but Jesus defeated the power of the curse. Isn't that good? I love that song in Christ alone. The curse has been broken over me. It has no hold over me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank God. And so God, Jesus did that for you. And you, but the key is if you're still identifying as a sinner, well, what do sinners do? They sin. If you're still identifying as uh, whatever your problem is, you fill in the blank, then you're going to do what that kind of person does. But the key is to change your identity. So I, you know, it's the Holy Spirit, you know, there's some things in my life that I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to see this change. I want this, I want to come up higher in this area. He said, go back to your identity. It's not about me trying to climb my way up higher. Jesus has done it for us. And my identity with him God raised me up. So I don't have to try to crawl my way out of the pit. God lifts us up, raises us up with Christ, seats us with him in heavenly places, gives us his own life, his own nature, and his ability. And so it's a gift, not something that we can claw our way into by grit and determination and strong will. No, it's only through our identity in Christ. Some people have strong wills, and they can do a lot in their own willpower. And sometimes it might be hard for somebody like that to realize that even in this, even in my own ability, I, can, I cannot, you know, you, it's like the blessing. God's the only one that gives the blessing without sorrow. So you might achieve something, but somewhere in there, there's sorrow. There's a loss. There's a broken peace. There's brokenness. Or you're just trying to, to prove something to yourself that you can never really truly prove. And so you see people achieve all sorts of things, but inside they're still not happy, not satisfied. They might have the greatest cars and the biggest houses and the biggest fame, but inside if you would go into that place in their soul, there's still without Jesus, there's just, it's not enough. So then they leave their wife, they go look for another person that, you know, people in Hollywood that have it all, they're searching and searching and searching because Jesus is the only one that can bring that. Oh, the creator who knows has created who you are. He knows. We tell the kids, we've been telling them the last couple sessions, there's only one person powerful and smart enough to tell you who you are. That's not your teacher. That's not even your parent. It is God himself reserves the right to tell you who you are. Only God is smart enough or powerful enough to tell you who you are. And when you find that place in him, oh, it's the adventure just begins. It's a starting point. It's not an ending point. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What is the purpose of this discovery and reality of your identity? Praise God. We know what identity does. We've talked about it. How in Jesus' death, when we identify with him in his death, 
an end is provided to some things that need to stop in our lives. Could be a behavior pattern, could be a situation, could be, uh, you know, a cycle of failure, things we, we tend to go through cycles in our lives, right? A lot of people, you just find, you say, oh, this, I've been here before. This is familiar. Here we go again. You know, whether it's with a relationship or whether it's in a job or, you know, people find themselves repeating cycles. Oh, okay, this is happening again. Maybe it's a cycle of rejection. Oh, man, here we go. They're going to reject me just like the last one did. Or just, and so we find ourselves in these cycles. But in the death of Christ is an end. People get so frustrated, they feel like they've got to kill themselves to end it all. There's no end. They lose hope that this could ever end, and I'm just doomed to repeat this. But you don't have to kill yourself to bring it to an end. All you have to do is find your identity with Christ in his death, because in his death, an end has been provided for whatever you need to stop in your life. Praise God, there's an ending power in the death and resurrection of Christ. And then there's a, a beginning power, a new beginning power that comes with his life to bring you into new places, to take you where you haven't been before, to equip you and enable you to do what you could never do on your own. Your identity with him in his resurrection, identifying with the power of that resurrection that works in you. The same power that rose him from the dead has raised you from the dead. So it's not just an ending, it's a new beginning too. It's new life, new possibilities, new, new open heart. I mean, you know, when you're free, there is just no limit to what you can do. But we have so much of the church that is all bound up in this old identity, trying to break the power of sin on their own, trying to stop and start doing things on their own. If we teach them this, instead of just trying to get them to do all these things on their own, man, that's a, such a setup for failure. But when you take them to this truth right here, oh, the possibilities are endless. There is, and that's, that's when the power becomes activated. We know you have the power of God on the inside of you, that your spirit is a new creature. Old things passed away and all things become new. But the way to see that activated, part of it is through your confession. It says in Philemon that the working of your faith might become effective. So it might become evident. It might become successful. It might show results through the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ. So we have a role to play. We don't have to make it happen, but we have to acknowledge it. Not acknowledge your failure and your faults all the time. Sure, there's a place to come for God and say, God, I missed it. I'm not going to be in denial. But but if that's all you ever do is constantly acknowledge, well, I'm this and I'm that and I always mess up here and I really struggle with this and, and you never get over to acknowledging who you are in Christ, that's where you'll remain. Wasn't Pastor Reverend Melissa's uh, message on Thursday? How many of you watched that? She gave us a great teaching on how to change things in our lives. Amen. You've got to acknowledge some things. You've got to use your mouth. It's one of the things the enemy tries to do more than anything. Shut our mouths. Oh, I don't feel like saying that. I don't feel like talking about speaking the word. I feel so sick. I don't want to do that. I'm so depressed. I don't want to say anything. Well, the devil's just playing you right there like a fiddle. Because he knows if he can keep your mouth shut, he can have a heyday. <laughs> Pastor Mark always talks about Paul and Silas when they were in the, in the dungeon. You know, they were persecuted for what they did for God and how they got thrown in there. And, man, it looked bad. They beat them. They put them in chains. But they didn't tape their mouth shut. <laughs> they should have taped your mouth shut. <laughs> Because when they opened their mouth, <laughs> the power of God came into that cell and the prison 
mouth shut. So as long as you can open your mouth, come on now. As long as you can open your mouth. (laughs) David didn't run at Goliath with his mouth shut. He ran at Goliath talking, you uncircumcised Philistine. Who do you think you are to defy the armies of the living God? Today I will take, I mean, he told them, your head and I will feed it to the birds. He ran at him talking. (laughs) Amen. Goliath was big. He was mighty. He was intimidated, and he did some talking too, but David talked back. (laughs) And so you might have some giants in your life that are talking to you, saying, who do you think you are? How are you? You're never going to change. I'm never going anywhere. You're going to be like this the rest of your lives. And if you just sit there and listen, then you are limited in what you can do. But if you will open your mouth, come on. You got to open your mouth. You don't drink from the rivers of life with your mouth shut. (laughs) When you open your mouth, the river flows. And you get filled. And supernatural life and ability comes in to enable you to walk in divine power. You're not just limited to your own human knowledge or human ability. You step over into the flow of the river of God. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a river. It flows from the throne. (laughs) Hallelujah. And everyone who comes to that river of life, praise God. Healing comes. Life comes. Salvation comes. Glory to God. And so... Jesus provided an end. Oh, I just get happy about this. To the control of sin in our lives. Amen. I love just going to those verses and reading them and all those translations. I did that on Facebook Live. Just reading through all those translations. Oh, it's just so good. It makes me happy. (laughs) Oh, his habits, old habits and attitudes won't control you anymore. Anybody beside me had to deal with some attitudes? Habits. That it seems like, man, I don't know if that's ever going to go away. No, there's an end to it. It's in our identity with Christ. It doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to ruin your life. Sabotage. we got a lot lot of people sabotage themselves. You know that? God starts doing things, opening doors, putting things. And, like, we can go in there and we can just sabotage the whole thing if we don't yield to him. I know, you know, as a wife... Who is it? Was it you that told me that God spoke to you and said, you're tearing down what I'm trying to do? We can, we have the ability as women, you know, we go into our closet and we pray, Father, I pray for my husband. I pray for my children. And then we go out and we can just tear down everything that we built up. What is wrong with you? And I'm so tired of this. And you never do this. And you're always doing this. When you, in your moment of frustration, man, maybe it feels good to vent, but man, you just tore the whole thing down. And it can take a long time if we take time building, tearing down, building, tearing down. (laughs) I don't want to stay there doing that. I want to see results. I want to get the answers to my prayers. So we got to speak life. We got to, it's like uh, uh, Reverend uh, Minister Debbie was telling me, she said, how, you know, about the revelation that, you know, it's not just what you do in church. (laughs) If we all had what we said in church, we'd be really set because we're singing powerful songs and making confessions and praising God. It's what happens when you step out of the doors to those church. What are you saying? People know how to talk right in church. Yes, I'm healed. I'm a conqueror by the stripes of Jesus. And And then you go home and you're like, I'm so sick and tired of feeling this way. It seems like nothing's working. Well... You're having what you say. (laughs) Seems like nothing's working. Why doesn't it ever work for me? Why do I take one step forward and three steps backwards? Why does it seem like I'm cursed? Well, in your moment of frustration, that's where it matters. So, you know, we got to keep that part shut 
and make our choice that we're going to acknowledge what God has said. We're going to agree with God. We're going to speak victory into our situations. We're going to surround the people that we're believing God for with faith and love. Don't say, well, I just don't think they're ever going to change. Man, they just do this and they just do that. You're speaking words that are binding them up. Surround them with faith. Even if you're dealing with somebody in addiction, they're losing faith in themselves. Speak faith. You can, they're going to make it. I, think that, I believe God is able to bring them out of that. They can stand. They can change. I don't care if it's been 20 years. God will, God will bring them through. God will show himself to them. They can turn a corner. They can do it. Surround them with faith and love. That's our role as the church. Man, God, God, God is, is expecting, relying on us to be that, to be those lights, to be that force of life out in the world, surrounding people, speaking light in a world that is speaking darkness, speaking hope in a world that's full of despair, speaking strength and speaking, you know, whatever God has said, bringing that in. Enforcers. And so we're raising up an army in this place. Amen. I like what Pastor Joe says. We're not raising up an audience. We're raising up an army. Man, I tell you what, we just, like Pastor Joseph just got back from camp meeting, and one, we ran into a lot of river people in camp meeting under Pastor Rodney. I just like being, oh, they make my, I mean, I feel like I jump out of my skin because they're talking about raising up an army, talking about taking cities and taking regions, and we're going after the harvest, and we're doing that, and people are being mobile. I mean, they are full of that. And it just, oh, man, this is the kind of people we want to be around. We talked to Pastor Tony Carpenter in River Baltimore, and he was talking about how he said, we'll come up and we'll set up, we'll, we'll help you guys reach your area. We're going to link arms together. God is surrounding us, guys, with some mighty movers, mighty people in the faith. We're going somewhere. We're part of this army. You're a part. Say, I'm a part. I'm a significant part. God has a plan to use me. In this last day harvest, I was born for such a time as this. I don't care if you feel like it or not. You might not feel very strong or warrior-like, but you were born for purpose in such a time as this. And I'll tell you what, God has a lot more faith in you than you have in yourself. He has a lot more faith in his ability in you than you have in yourself. And he sees things in you that you just haven't seen in yourself yet. But I'll tell you what, it's going to come forth. It's coming out. We're going to see it. We're not just going to be stagnant in this. We're taking some territory. We're going to see. I believe we have, I believe it. I mean, the signs of the time, we're, we have, if if the signs of the time, you say, well, everybody, you know, everybody thought, you know, Jesus is coming soon for many years, but there's signs, there's key things. One of them is Israel. It says the fig tree as relates to Israel, they became a nation in 1948. And that is a prophetic scripture that speaks of the signs of the times. So we're in a time that's set apart from all the other times. <laughs> And I believe who Jonathan was talking, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, about end time prophecy, you know, because there's many people, they say, oh, Hitler's the Antichrist. Oh, this person's the Antichrist. But, you know, Satan has raised up many people. He's always trying to overplay his hand. He's always trying to move this forward into what he wants. But I'm telling you, and he's tried to overplay his lay hand in the season that we're in. But until the harvest comes in, there will not be an end. And it is not the time for the Antichrist and the one world government system to take its place until that happens. And we are the part to make it happen. And I believe God is taking his people into the realization that we're not waiting for a move of God. And we're not waiting for something to fall from the sky but he is taking us into the position that we are the move of God because we understand who we are in Christ. We understand that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We understand, I tell you what, this reality, it changes how you pray for people because if you're trying to go and pray for somebody, even though you know that God has commanded you to, you feel all uncomfortable. You know, well, I, I hope this works sometimes, you know, or you might feel intimidated by it. But if you will build in yourself the awareness that underneath your hand is the hand of the risen Savior, the nail-scarred hands of the one who defeated death, hell, and the grave, and is 
is not just you touching that person, but it is his hand in your hand touching them to heal them, to deliver them, to see the kingdom of God come in him. It needs to be built. But that is when you, when you go in that confidence and that awareness, I'm telling you, you become fearless. You become confident. No longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh is simply Jesus using my body. I am his hands. I am his feet. I am his voice. I am surrendered to him, yielded to him. I am one with him. And in that is the victory over every little petty thing. I believe there's a lot of petty things that the enemy has tried to do to stop his people. I know in my life, there's some things that I'm like, you know, this has been a key thing in keeping me from my potential. And it's just so dumb. You know, little petty stuff. Just dumb stuff. The little foxes that spoil the vine. And you might think, oh, I've got a long way to go. A lot of times it's just a bunch of little things. And you start taking your place. And you start identifying with who Jesus is. You know, that little stuff tends to just kind of fall off anyways. You don't have to make some all kind of concerted effort to try to overcome all these little things and keep the pieces together. When you get encounter the fire of God and the fire of this revelation, I'm telling you, it just all burns and melts away. And you become consumed with his will, consumed with his purpose. And you'll find that you're never happier. You're never more fulfilled you're never more excited than when you're right in the middle of that we have a lot of dissatisfied people in the church because they're not fulfilling their purpose we've become a, a, a social club or just a place that we come to hear a good talk but it is not who we are. This is not a place for an audience and a speaker. This is a place for the word to go forth, for the body to be equipped, to stand up, take their place, take the territory, and occupy and finish out what Jesus started. He said, the works that I do shall you do in greater. He said, you are my body. And we're going to look at that, how he said, told us to go. And so, you know, he did this. He did all of this. His intense love for us. Yes, he wants you free. He want, But there's a purpose beyond your freedom. Your freedom is for a purpose. Not just so you could sit down and say, I'm so glad to be free. But once you become free, there is always the mandate and the purpose and the fire and to go and set somebody else free. Your freedom is for you because he loves you, but it's also for somebody else. Your breakthrough is not just about you. Your breakthrough is about other people that are waiting on you to have your breakthrough. On the other side of your breakthrough, man, you know when somebody has a great breakthrough, whether it's healing or whether it's God just does something big financially or something like that, there are a lot of people that get impacted by that. No wonder the enemy fights so hard. But I'm telling you, it's not a, <laughs> it, the key to overcoming all of him. We don't fight him in the flesh, right? You can't defeat the enemy and all the stuff he tries to do, the temptations, all of the human tendencies in the flesh. But when you take your place in this reality, in the spirit, he doesn't have a chance. If we will give ourselves to this, if we will give ourselves to meditating and, and understanding and studying our identity in Christ, the enemy doesn't have a chance. Game over. The power of this is so far greater than the power of sin and the power of everything that has tried to hold you back. Praise God. That's why Paul said, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. The power of what Jesus has done is not even just a little. I mean, sometimes we feel like, oh, they're, you know, you think of the big ones. They're addicted to heroin. Whoa, I'll pray. You know, or, ooh, they've got cancer. Oh, man. Or, you know, or, or man, they've got, oh, they're severely bipolar or, or something that just seems like I don't know how to help that. I don't know. But you know what? The power of the resurrection, it is not just marginally greater. 
It's not just something, these things are not just something you have to learn to cope with because in this life we don't have enough power to overcome it. No, when you get into the resurrection, the power of that is exponentially greater. The problem is, as we've tried to deal all of these things, deal with all of these things outside of this. Tried to mentally, you know, we'll try to play mental games to get ourselves. It doesn't work. But you get into this identity, who you are in Christ and your identity with him. I'm telling you, it is the holding place for the power. In, in Colossians 3, it talks about how um, he, he said, set your mind on things above, not on things upon the earth, for you are dead and your life is hidden in Christ in God. This place in Christ is your hiding place from all the works of darkness and all the attempts of the enemy. And that makes me think of Psalm 91, where it says, he that dwells in the secret place, that hiding secret place is the place in Christ. When Moses told God in Exodus 33, show me your glory, God said, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. And he said, I will place you in the cleft of the rock. The cleft of the rock is a, is a type and shadow of our place in Christ. Christ is the rock. He is the cornerstone. And when we have our place, when he places us in Christ, he said, I will cause my goodness. And he talks about his, his declaring his name, the revelation of who he is, the, the manifestation of his glory. All of that takes place from our place in Christ. And so, let's just open up to um, Matthew 16. <laughs> that was my opening text, but I got, <laughs> got a little sidetracked. Not really. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the anointing. Thank God for utterance. Father, I'm so thankful, Father, for utterance. I'm so thankful for your Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for light and revelation. I'm so thankful, Father, for the call that you have on each person here. I'm so thankful for the power of your word. And I'm so thankful that you confirm your word with signs following. And so, Lord, as we look into your word and as we talk about these things, I thank you that you will manifest in this place. And I thank you that every hungry heart will be be filled. And I thank you for your fire to fall, your glory to fall in this place in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And so in this chapter, it, um, it talks about there's what we've been talking about. I talked in my last Facebook message, I talked about how it starts the, the process to real change, real and lasting change starts with the revelation of Jesus. And but he never stops there. You know, sometimes we talk about the revelation of Jesus. We just need a touch from Jesus, an encounter with Jesus. And that's true. When he comes on, when he's revealed, there's so much that happens, right? Our Savior, our healer, his, he, he reveals himself in all the areas that we need in our life because he fills everything everywhere. He's the fulfillment of all things, but it never stops there. It always moves on. The Father God or Jesus always moves on to point out who we are in him. And so you see this taking place here in Peter, uh, uh, with, with Jesus and Peter. And Jesus asked Peter in verse 15, or verse 13, he says, who do you say that I, the son of man, am? So he was asking him, he was, he was putting out a question there to see what kind of revelation Peter had about him. Have you, have you, has this been revealed to you? Have I been revealed to your heart? And so they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? It's not what other people say about who he is. Oh, my parents always loved, you know, served God or, oh, but this preacher says that God is this. No, who is he to you? Who is he in your life? Job was a righteous man who loved God and served God. But it was at the end of the chapter, at the end of the book where he said, I have heard before, but now my eyes have seen. And then he said, I know my redeemer lives. You have to get to the place where you know your redeemer lives in your life. <laughs> Where you haven't just heard about who he is, but you have experienced him. You have seen him for yourself. You have seen him work in your situation. You have known his saving power for you. 
Thank God for that saving power that brought you out of darkness into light, that caused you to be born again. But that's not the end of it. We know that, right? There's a working out of that salvation into every area of our lives. Where Jesus, the Savior that saved us, becomes the one that heals us, becomes the one that sets us free in this area, the one that causes us to overcome here. And I'm so glad that we're going to be preaching on the Holy Ghost because it's the Holy Spirit who takes what we're learning here about what Jesus did and about his death and resurrection, and he shows you how it applies into every area of your life, how it makes you a victory in this area, how it makes you overcome in your your home life or in your relationships or in your job or in your finances. He's the one that reveals it to you practically. So it's not just something you heard in church, but it's something that you're experiencing every day in every situation. And you don't have to run to the church then. Church just becomes a celebration overflow time because you're experiencing this constantly and it builds up into an overflow. Our ministry will just be out of the overflow. We're not going to be a church that is just ministering on empty because we're trying so hard to reach all the world on our own strength. No, there's going to be such a power. There is such a power on the inside of you that as it overflows, things will just happen naturally. People will come to you. People will recognize something on you. People will want to hear because they're hungry for what you have. Because we're not always just walking around beat up and dragging ourselves everywhere we go. But we're going to have a step of victory in our step. We're going to have a joy in our, in our face. We're going to have peace. That is what God wants for you. But it's not just for you. He wants to show it to the world. Amen. It's the, it's the end of the time for a beaten up, defeated church. This is the time for the glorious church of the living God that rises up. God, Jesus is not coming back for a church that is limping along. He's coming back for a victorious church filled with the glory of God. And so he said, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the anointed one, the Messiah, all the one who saves the one, our deliverer. And he said, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you. When you get a revelation of Jesus, blessed are you. Oh, you're blessed. (laughs) Blessed. That's the place that the blessing springs from. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven through his spirit. And I say to you that you are Peter. So he turns around and I say to you, now I'm going to tell you about who you are. And he changes his name. That's a change of identity. Your name, in the Bible, when people encountered God, their name changed. Jacob became Israel. Abram became Abraham. Sarah became Sarah. Uh, Simon became Peter. I say to you, you are Peter. You're faithful. You're healed. You're victorious. Well, I don't feel that way, Lord. Look at this problem that I have. He says, I say to you, will you say with him? You're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. What rock? Peter? No, it's the rock of revelation of who God is and of who you are in him. That is the place that the church is built. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on. And he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven so first the revelation of Jesus then he told them who he was and then the authority came remember pastor Joe said at the beginning of this message the foundation for authority is identity And on the heels of your identity is the authority that you walk in here on this earth. Dominion over the forces of darkness. Dominion over all that the enemy would try to do 
We're the occupying force. We're the ones that are holding back. The enemy can't do what he wants to do as long as the church is here taking her place. Yeah, he tries to shut the church down, trying to split us up because he knows if the church is here taking her place, he cannot do it. But it's not working. People are, the church is waking up. And you might look at the ones that aren't, but I'll tell you, there's a mighty remnant. And out of that remnant, because God only needs a remnant of people that will say, not my will anymore. They will give that. Once this becomes a reality, I'll tell you, you just give your life to it. You get touched by the fire, you'll just do anything for it. You'll do anything. You'll die for it. That's how people will lay down their lives because they are so consumed. And just like Stephen, he stood there before the persecutors. And even as he was being stoned, he wasn't even conscious of what was going on around him. He was looking up and he saw Jesus in the middle of his situation. And Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father God. I don't think Stephen even felt a thing after he saw that. I mean, he was just taken up into glory, baby. (laughs) You see Jesus standing up at the right hand of the throne. You ain't even aware of anything else anymore. Because when you see him, man, nothing else. Nothing else. When you see him, it doesn't matter what's going on. You just don't even care. It's all about him. Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, our master. Jesus, our savior. Jesus, our risen king. Jesus, the lover of our soul. He's, he's so, so much bigger than anything else in life. Hallelujah. And he's revealed in your situation. And so, you see that process happening all throughout the Bible. You know, you see Mary Magdalene, what happened, you know? You see the woman at the well encountering Jesus. He he then referenced who she was and addressed her. And then from there, she went and she had authority. She went to the people that she was rejected from. And she she, uh, suddenly became like this mighty evangelist. Got the whole town to come and rally before Jesus. From being afraid, you know, trying to avoid everyone because she was so rejected, going to the well when nobody else was going. She became like the center of the whole town came to the feet of Jesus through her testimony. That's some authority. That's some power there. Some influence. One day, just a few hours. She went from the low to being the biggest influencer in that town. Change the course of lives. That's authority. So the purpose of our identification is for you to walk in your authority. What is the purpose of your authority? For you to do the works of Jesus and take others out of darkness into light. We are liberators. Everywhere you go, you're a liberator got the power to, liber- to let somebody loose. The enemy might think he's got their name, man. He might think he's got it locked up. And all the day that it crosses your path, all of a sudden everything that he tried to do through the power of Jesus on the inside of you just goes in one moment. <laughs> That's the purpose. That's the purpose. And so, you know, let's look at what Jesus said. One of the, we had, there was a great message this week. And I thought, man, that is so awesome. That fits right into what I had wanted to share, where they talked about missions. They talked about, which is really the Great Commission. And he was saying, kind of along the same lines, the reason so much of the church is miserable is because they're not fulfilling the mission that God has placed on our life. Your happy place is doing the will of God. Jesus said, I'm so happy in the will of God. It's not even about like I could go without food. I could go like my food, what fuels me, what sets me on fire is to do the will of my father. What rocks my boat, what makes me tick. Man, when you do the will of the father, oh, it just washes out your need. 
It was greater than his need for people to like him. It was greater than his need, you know, for acceptance or uh, 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 affirmation. Man, it just overtook it all. That'll do that for you. It'll be greater. You do the will of God, start obeying that, like Joe did, going to his nephew. Man, what a blessing. I bet you walked out of there. There's no feeling like it. Walking out of that hospital room, knowing you just took somebody that was heading in one direction, and you just, you just, God used you to just intervene and turn the whole thing and bring a new starting point. Did we pray for him? What's his name? Father, we pray for Matthew right now, Father. Father, wherever that, wherever that surgery has taken place, we put him in your hands, Lord, and we claim his life for the kingdom, and we call him out of, out of, out of sickness, out of all that, that the enemy has tried to do in his life. We call him into darkness, and we thank you, Father, that he will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord, that he will fulfill his call, that he will discover his purpose, that he will respond to you, and we say that he will serve you all of his days and that father right now we release the healing power to flow into his body father to bring a healing that even the surgeons can't do father to go and do divine surgery in his body right now in the name of Jesus thank you father we believe you father we thank you father for for working in his life on our behalf father as we have asked you to and so Praise God. The purpose, you find if you just flip over in Matthew, over to page uh, chapter 20, 28. This is the standing instruction we have from the master. And this is what our church is going to play our part in accomplishing. We are not going to miss or fall short of doing what he told us here. He said, all authority has been given to me. So we're picking up with the authority. Remember we talked about revelation of Jesus, revelation of who we are, and then we have authority. So what's the authority for? That the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Supernatural, powerful authority. The purpose of the authority is to go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you to do. And lo, I am with you always, even till the ends of the earth. I thought it was, you know, one of the things uh, this minister said, he talked about how uh, the one version in the King James, it says, go ye therefore into all the earth. And he said, for centuries, the church has been trying to discover who is the ye. <laughs> It's not me, but who's the ye? Is it you? <laughs> Is it you? No, it can't be me. <laughs> no, not me. I'm too shy. I'm too this. I don't have enough money. Or I'm this or that. Well, I'm telling you, all of those things come. You want to see the increase of the power of God. It will come in the going. And we are a church that is set to fulfill the great commission. And, and it's, a, it's a multitasking commission. When he told the disciples in Acts, you know, people say, well, I can't reach, well, you know, we're going to reach our family before I reach the, you know, the city and the city before. No, he said, he, he named them all at once. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, reach them all. So you can't disqualify yourself by saying, well, I've got to just focus on this. There's a mandate to go, to go. In whatever way that it, uh, opportunity provides. I mean, you might not be able to have the opportunity to go into China right now. But you can pray. You can give. You can tie towards that. And you can do what the Holy Spirit says. You can ask God, what would you have me do? But the blessing, the overflow comes in the going. The purpose of our freedom. Obviously, if you're, if you're really struggling and stuff like that, that's not, it's going to be difficult to do the go ye. That's why we're studying this truth on identification. I believe that God is taking our church into a level of freedom and consecration to, pre to, to prepare us for this overflow. Do you know, if you want 
the deep things of God. If you want, if you're not just satisfied with a few drops of mercy, if you want the mighty flow, the mighty flow of the glory of God, the mighty flow of signs and wonders and miracles, something is required. You can't be friends with the world and, 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 and mix in all that. You can't have your heart divided because when you do that, your appetite for God, it really comes down to what takes place in us. God doesn't reject us, but your heart becomes divided. Your heart becomes filled with the things of the world. Your heart becomes filled with other desires. Talks about it in, in Mark 4. You know, the, the cares of this life, the, de the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, all that stuff will try to clog up the word of God from bearing fruit in our lives. But God is teaching us. You know, um, it was two years ago, Pastor Mark Hankins got a word in the new year in 2000, well, I guess it was three years ago, 2018. And he gave us the verse in Joshua 3. And it said in Joshua 3, verse 4 and 5, Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And that was the word that was given. Pastor Mark is a prophetic voice in the body. And I knew when he gave that, I knew that was for me. And he began to talk about these things with identification with Christ. Because the way to consecrate yourself, like I said at the beginning of the message, isn't for you to just try to clean everything up on your own strength. It doesn't work. But P.C. Nelson said, sanctification, which is uh, you know, synonymous with consecration, Consecrate means to declare something holy. Sanctify means to make holy, to consecrate. So they work together. But he said sanctification is accomplished in the believer. How? We used to think it was like dress right, don't smoke, don't hang with those who do, you know, do all these external things. No, it is by recognizing one's identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and daily reckoning upon the fact of your union with Christ. Do you want me to repeat that? How is sanctification accomplished? By one, recognizing one's identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and daily thinking, reckoning, considering upon the fact of your union with Christ. That's how consecration happens. I like that. <laughs> There's revelation in that. It's not you just trying to check all the box. It goes back to this identification, your identity that God has given you. All you have to do, you don't have to make it so. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive unto God. You can't make it be. God has done that. You reckon. You consider, contemplate, appropriate the fact of your union with Christ. To go further, we must let God go deeper. God wants his people free. He wants you free. Because he wants to use you. And you'll never be happier than when you're smack in the middle of that. This out of this union with Christ, you might be struggling with your will. You might be struggling with, you know, saying yes. It comes out of the union with Christ. You, you, don't, you, you don't even have the power to make that happen on your own. But when you consider your union with Christ, Lord, I thank you that I'm united to you. And because I'm united to you, the same things that were in you are in me. And so, Lord, just like you were able to resist temptation of the enemy, just like you were able to surrender yourself to the will of God, to humble yourself into obedience, to, to walk perfectly pleasing to the Father, I thank you that you are able to do that through me and out of our union with you. Praise God. 
And you start to reckon these things. You start to meditate on these things. You'll find that some of this stuff just happens. You'll find yourself wanting to do things differently. You'll find your desires changing. You'll find it's not so hard to say yes anymore. It's not so hard to put, to put you aside. We're all dealing with that, you know. There's stuff in the flesh that, you know, when we're over in the flesh... I was very encouraged. Jim Hockaday is going to be here in August and July, and you're going to see he is a very bold person. <laughs> he is bold in working of miracles, and he is aggressive, and he is, you know what I mean? Like, he's just, he's just, the first thing when I first heard him, you know, years ago was, man, he is bold. And he said, I don't know, every time I get up there and I go to work a miracle, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like putting, you know, stepping out on the water out of the boat, stepping out, you know, you know, your flesh never feels like doing that. But when you get over into to that uh, union with Christ, and that's one of the things he preached stronger than, you know, at the time, that was the first I had heard it preached this way about Christ inside of living inside of my skin, about somebody else stepping into your genes, about, you know, I, I had never heard it like that. And that's the foundation point for him stepping out and doing exploits and, and doing work, you know, obeying God and not being concerned about, you know, well, what are people going to think about me and what if it doesn't happen and praise God. That's what will make you go out into the homeless part and just lift up your voice. <laughs> Amen. Your flesh wants to say, and you go out there and you say, God, open your mouth and let God fill it. I believe that is what God is going to use us to do. We'll be that bold people without abandon. You say, I could never do that. I could, I'm telling you, you just don't know yourself when, he, when you're in Christ. When you discover yourself in Christ, you'll end up doing stuff you never, you'll be like, I don't, I don't even know where that came from. It's God in you. You're a new person. you got to be reintroduced to yourself. And so, you know, we're going to see some of that. That's what it's going to require in these days. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be reasons for us to think, well, I don't want them to think I'm that kind of person. Or, man, they're going to they're gonna come after me. It, it's reckless abandon. All the ability of Jesus to do the will of God in the face of tremendous opposition is on the inside of you. You don't have to make it so. It's going to come out. <laughs> Just reckon. Consider yourself in him. Consider yourself in your union with him. Consider yourself. Think about the fact. Picture that. Next time you're going to pray for somebody, picture his hand. His hand stretched out in your hand. Those nails, you lay hands on their head. Picture his nail-scarred hand right there with you. You're not doing it on your own, in your own authority. You're doing his works as him multiplied. That's why it's greater works. Because he was when he walked the earth, he was confined to one place. Now he's got an army of people that are filled with the living God, filled with his ability, filled with his power and authority. And man, the devil, I mean, I can tell you when that happened, when he raised God, it says when he raised Jesus, it was his arm that raised him from the dead. Many other places talk about his hand. When it talks about casting out demons, it talks about his finger. It only takes his finger to get the demons that might seem so horrible and so daunting. Man, it's nothing. The finger of God just flicks them away like a mosquito. But when he raised Jesus from the dead, it was his mighty arm because not only was he raising Jesus, he was raising the fallen humanity out of the hold of sin and darkness and raising them to a place of life and victory and a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Ha. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. We praise you, Lord. <laughs> Glory. You are victorious. You're not trying to get there. You already are. 
wanted us to, to make a fresh decision on the inside of us. And I'm not going back. I'm not letting down. I want this, Father. I want, I don't want just the drops of mercy. I want the mighty flow of the river of God. I want, I don't want just an every now and then. I want the, the, the mighty river through this place. That's bigger than us. Bigger, bigger than us. It's bigger than any man. It's a faceless army. An army without race, an army without color or gender. It's an army that is filled with Jesus, that knows that he's living on the inside of them. That's what you're a part of. Will you say yes today? We're taking our place. Sometimes it's a daily consecration. They say on John G. Lake's last day, after all that he had done, his last entry in his journal was, once again, I give you my life. I lay it down before you once again. And I say that today. Lord, yes, once again, here I am. It starts with being willing. It starts with desire. It starts with saying, okay, I'll do it your way. The church has tried to do it their own way for a long time. Tried to work our way, tried to scream loud enough, yell loud enough, do this or that, try to create some formula, even the faith formula. Sometimes it's turned into a work of the flesh. Oh, but there's a place in him. There's a place in Christ. There's a place that you have been given in his death, in his resurrection. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I feel like I should just open the altars. I don't know. I think I put up a song on I Surrender. Let's just, let's just take a moment to just position ourselves before him right now as a body for the place that we have and what he's wanting to do. We have our own niche we can't be all things to all people, but there's a, there's a purpose that we have and there's people that he has destined us to go to. People that you have been destined to go to. Oh, Father, we say yes, Lord. Lord, we long, Father. Like Paul said, not to be found in our own righteousness, which is by the law, but to find ourselves in you in you in your to be found in your death my pride to identify with your resurrection lord thank you father it's a work of your spirit lord and we say we invite you to come in and do that show us who you are Show us who we are. Show us the authority that we have in you. And send us. We say, we'll go, Lord. We're not going to say no to you again. Maybe we've said it in the past. Maybe we've disqualified ourselves. Maybe we've chosen other things. But today we choose afresh. We say, Lord, we choose you. We choose life. We cling to you because you are our life and the length of our days. We want you. We don't want the drops of mercy. We want the mighty river of your glory, of the outpouring of revival. And we acknowledge, Lord, that we're not waiting on you to bring revival. But, Father, we are the move of your spirit. We are the forces of revival that you have sent to this world. Help us, Lord. Help us. Is your Open your eyes. For a Lord, for those that are needing freedom in an area that has bogged them down, maybe it's health, maybe it's 
Maybe it's uh, something in your soul. Maybe it's a mental thing. If you need freedom, get down. If there's an area that you know has been holding you back from, from, from being able to reach your potential in Christ, I invite you to come down here right now. Right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Freedom. 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 It is your plan. Jesus died for freedom. It was for freedom that he has set us free. To be not entangled with the yoke of bondage. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I thank you for the fire of God in this place, Lord. To burn off the chains. To burn off the chaff. To ignite the gift of God on the inside of each person. Freedom. Be free. Fresh fire. The fire of revelation. The fire. The fire of your identity with Christ. The fire of the love of God. To cast out fear. To burn off the chains. I declare freedom right now over each person. Free by the power of God. Free in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Life in Christ Church Podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.